listening to Ping, a podcast by Abenik discussing all things related to measuring the internet. I'm your host, Robbie Mitchell. It's been said that hindsight is notably clearer than foresight, and as many who've helped build the internet can and have attested, for something that started as a science experiment, it's amazing how far it has come and for the most part still works as intended. As we've talked about on many occasions on this podcast already, Trying to implement new features in the internet requires a lot of retrofitting and foresight to make sure that they don't upset any systems and have scope to be improved upon. As such, today's internet is a Frankenstein's monster of parts that has been bolted together. If it was a house, it would be a knockdown job. Far easier to start from scratch. Now this is easier said than done, or so many thought, as we'll come to learn in our discussion today with Nicola Rustignoli, a founding engineer at the Cyan Association. Nicola, thanks for joining us on Ping. Hi, Robbie. Thanks for having me. So today we're talking about Cyan, which is taking clean slate approach to overcoming the architectural limitations of today's internet to provide route control, failure isolation, and explicit trust information for end-to-end communication. Now, we started covering Cyan on the APNIC blog about a year ago. However, it's been floating through the research measurement community for quite some time. Having worked on it for at least five years yourself since your time as a master's student at ETH Zurich, one of the founding members, can you tell us what Cyan is trying to achieve? So when you think about today's internet, there is a quite universal dependence on solid and reliable communication today. And as companies and as everyone is going to this digital transformation, then really everything in our daily life depends on this internet communication. But if you think about the internet today, well, there's lots of outages. There is denial of service attacks. There is hijacks. And these are some problems that are somehow fundamentally related to how the internet was built in the early days. And this is why with Scion, we try to take a clean slate approach and we try to redesign it in some way from scratch, trying to address the question, how secure could an internet be? And I like to think about Scion with a metaphor. I like to think about navigation. So when you send uh, out a ship in the ocean, well, a few hundred years ago, people just had a compass. So they went out, they knew the direction they wanted to go and they could just follow along that direction. They didn't know anything about the path that lies ahead. They didn't know anything about what would happen on this path. Is there going to be a storm? Is something bad going to happen? And the thing is, when you throw a packet out on today's internet, it works pretty much the same way in the sense that you can send your path to the first hop and then this packet will just follow the best path. And you don't know anything about what this path will look like. And you don't know if your packet is going to get to your destination. You don't know if there's going to be congestion. You can't really foresee that. And that is because of how the internet works today. And so when it comes to navigations, well, ships don't go out in the ocean like this anymore. They have GPS, they have weather forecasts, they know ahead what the path looks like. And if it is bad, maybe they can switch to another one. And so what Cyan tries to do is really to give this GPS-like upgrade to the internet, where as an end user on Cyan, you can actually know pretty much everything you need to about the path. And if something goes wrong, then you can actually easily switch. That's a fantastic analogy, Nicola. I guess it's not surprising that there is no such map of the internet given its piecemeal development. So I know it's relatively new, but how big is the Cyan network? So Cyan started uh, in Switzerland. So that means that in Switzerland, we are 
let's say very strong. So all the major ISPs, they have Cyan and they have it not just deployed, but they really have a fully productized version. So they have packages, they have websites, they have their whole company, their salespeople, everybody's onboarded with, uh, with Cyan. And that has been very strong in Switzerland, especially within the finance industry. That is growing more uh, and more across Europe. So there's ISPs in, uh, I think, in France, in, uh, in Benelux that are now evaluating Cyan. There's more and more companies. Of course, they are all still pioneers. But let's say that we are quite strong in Europe. There is also some deployments in Asia, in Korea with some uh, ISPs. There are some diplomatic networks where, unfortunately, I cannot really give more details, but there's governments that are also using Cyan to communicate across, let's say, their diplomatic network across the world. And that is really on the production side. So that's really like a real workloads that are today using Cyan. Besides that, there is a huge research community behind it. And that is, of course, with us, but there's lots of other universities in Europe, in the Netherlands. I'm thinking about Seeden Labs that have been very supportive or the University of Magdeburg or Princeton in the States and many others that actually run a joint research projects. And they also help us running this Cyan Lab backbone. You can actually go to the website and see the topology yourself. There are data centers and points of presence in, uh, in most uh, continents. So I think we are getting there. Of course, we wish uh, there's going to be more and more adoption. And there are there is lots of interest, especially in the last few years. As the finance uh, network has proven that Scion can actually work in production, we actually get a lot of uh, contacts. And so we are hoping that in a year or so, we can actually tell you, okay, we have many more deployments. But we are, I think that the pioneers have already done their little Scion expedition. So now it's, it's really about growing this to more and more hosts and more and more uh, companies being Scion enabled. It's a great legacy they've created and continue to create. So what were the challenges with creating this navigational tool? Well, there's actually quite some challenges. Uh, we started from these research questions, like really asking ourselves, how secure could an internet be if we did everything from scratch? So Cyan came up as a research uh, project around 11 years ago, uh, back at CMU with Professor Adrian Perig. And I think back then, nobody would have imagined that we would get where we are today, where there's actually companies and ISPs and so on that are actually adopting this in production, which I find quite impressive. When it comes to challenges on the technical side, I think the most important challenge is about security and resilience. And Cyan, during the research phase, tried to really tackle a lot of those questions, especially when it comes to security, but also to scalability. Because, you know, we have a lot of solutions that even try to fix today's internet that are very secure, but sometimes they do not really scale. They are not very deployable in practice. And Cyan really tried to bridge a bit both worlds. That's a good point about the need to make good ideas scalable. So what does Cyan do better than today's internet in this respect? Well, first of all, I think we have to look at how it works and how this is uh, different from today's internet. So first of all, Cyan is an interdomain architecture. So that means it has a lot to deal with interdomain routing and autonomous systems and so on. And so first of all, a very important pillar of Cyan is actually trust. And Cyan has a very special trust model. And that is because autonomous systems are actually grouped in what we call isolation domains. Isolation domains are a group of autonomous systems that actually share a similar background. That could be the same jurisdiction. They could be part of the same industry. 
And that makes these groups of autonomous systems, they can trust each other better because they have an out-of-band way to, uh, let's say, handle misbehavior. And so they're a bit like trust bubbles. And this is very interesting, not only because of trust, but also because of scalability. When it comes to actually how Scion works, we have to think about this path awareness. So Scion packets actually do carry the full end-to-end -end AS path. And this is also cryptographically secure. So each hope, whenever it is forwarding packets at the data plane, is really making sure that those path segments are actually legitimate. And this is based on some very simple cryptography. That is very nice also when it comes to scalability, because routers in Scion, they don't need to have uh, forwarding tables. They don't need specialized hardware for forwarding tables, but they can simply look up at the next hope that is already inscribed into the Scion header, and they can just forward a packet. And the cryptographic operation, some people get scared about it. They think, oh my God, this is very expensive. Actually, it is a very simple message authentication called verification, which is based on EES. And every CPU today supports this in hardware, which also means that with Scion, routers can be very simple and you can use any commodity hardware, any uh, normal server, and route uh, Scion at even hundreds of gigabits. And so piecing uh, all this together, then we have a control plane that is in charge of actually finding out this routing information and distributing it. And this is based on beaconing. And that is what is distributing this cryptographic material to all Scion autonomous systems. And so what does that mean in terms of advantages? Well, first of all, as an end host sending data over Scion, then this means that you actually don't have a single pass, but you actually have many paths to get to your destination. And this is very interesting for many aspects. First of all, performance. As you have many paths that you can actually probe them, you can see what is the latency, what is the bandwidth and so on of each path. And as you can use all of them at the same time, you can use them to seamlessly fail over between one path and the other. So if something breaks, even in the core of the internet, even far away from your end host, then you can still seamlessly fail over to a set different path. As I mentioned, all the forwarding is cryptographically authenticated. So that means that as an end host, you actually get very strong guarantees about where your data is going through. And when you think about this concept of isolation domains, then sovereignty also is a very interesting aspect. Because as a sender, you have very strong guarantees about where your data is going through. And this way, you can make sure that your data is actually only crossing infrastructure that somehow you trust. And that could be, let's say, enforcing that your data stays in your country. And so when we think about uh, critical applications, for example, very specialized industries as finance or transport or government. Well, many of those industries today, they cannot fully transition to an internet-based connectivity. And that is because their workloads are so critical, they must always work. And then the internet is just not strong enough. And this is also the reason why when you think about large providers, even cloud providers, there is a tendency for them to build their own private backbone that tries to somehow supplement these deficiencies of the internet. And Scion is really good at addressing this issue, but not with a just private backbone managed by a single entity, but with really a multilateral internet architecture where there's multiple ISPs that can join and connect to each other. And when you think about these industries that are a bit like ecosystems, then with the Scion connectivity, they gain the ability to talk to 
all their partners to all their clouds with a single connection, which is, I think, very unique of Cyan. Unique and very user-friendly, something that isn't necessarily so with the internet. You can certainly see the advantages of thinking about how to overcome these challenges from scratch, and it's great how you've sought to make it so user-friendly and open source in the sense you can use any normal equipment to route Cyan. So you mentioned before how there are ISPs who are currently using Cyan. How does one go about deploying it in their network and how can ISP customers benefit from it? So if you're an ISP and want to deploy Cyan in your network, then what you have to do is to actually deploy Cyan routers at the edge. You can actually reuse your existing intradomain infrastructure. And so all you need to do is really deploy some routers and maybe a bit of control infrastructure that runs on commodity servers. And then you need to find a connection to another Cyan ISP or, or a Cyan Internet Exchange. So for example, in Switzerland, you can actually get Cyan peering at Swiss IX, which is the biggest internet exchange in Switzerland. And so once you do that, once you have those border routers and connectivity to some other ISPs running Scion, then you can actually provide Scion services to your customers. And if you look at the customer side, well, as a, let's say, enterprise, then all you need to do is to get a Scion link, which could be, for example, an add-on to your existing enterprise connectivity. So lots of ISPs in Switzerland that are offering Cyan today, they really offer it, let's say, extra package on top of their enterprise internet connectivity. And in many cases, especially in enterprise settings, people that deploy Cyan tend to use an appliance that runs a Cyan to IP gateway. This is a piece of software that actually translates and encapsulates packets between Cyan and today's IP. So that this way, you can use your existing IP application and then route traffic over Cyan. So predominantly it's software-based with a small amount of off-the-shelf hardware and some time to develop peering relationships with other Cyan users. Generally, yes. All Cyan components are fully software-based, so they can be run on VMs or so on, but they can also run on dedicated hardware. I think there is quite a lot of flexibility when it comes to how you deploy this. That's great. Now, you mentioned that there are already many users in Switzerland, and that's thanks to the Swiss Internet Exchange. They're working with its members, no doubt. Can you give us some examples of some of these businesses and or research projects that are using Scion and the advantages that they're getting from it? So one of the biggest Scion deployments today is concerning the Swiss finance network. That is really about how banks in Switzerland exchange payment information. If I send you money to your bank account, then actually the banks need to send each other some piece of information so that this payment you know, is actually recorded. And as they're moving to instant payments, I think the reliability requirements uh, when it comes to the network that connects all banks have actually really increased. And this is why a six, that is the company running the Swiss uh, payment network together with the Swiss National Bank, they decided to actually migrate this network away from a legacy private network that was completely segmented off the internet. And they are moving this over to science. So whenever you pay somebody in Switzerland, then this payment is actually routed through science. And that is a really interesting use case because the banking uh, ecosystem is really a, a multilateral. You know, there's many banks, they all want to talk to each other. And I think one major advantage of using Cyan is that before they could only talk from one bank to their central, let's say, mainframe that was handling payments. And now they gain this ability to talk, let's say, everyone to everyone, uh, thanks to 
uh, Scion, and that has been very important uh, for them and for evolving also their payment systems towards more modern uh, ways. Besides that, there's other industries that are also evaluating using Scion. So for example, the healthcare industry, where especially here in Europe, people are quite sensitive about data and where this data is uh, handled. They're also evaluating to use Scion for connecting hospitals and organizations that uh, exchange a very sensitive kinds of healthcare data. We have also been running global research and testing network that is called Scion Lab, uh, and that is more on the academic side. But th these have all been great experiences to actually learn how Scion does in production. We got lots of feedback, and they are also very important because they're really like the first pioneering productive uh, use cases of the technology. So we are really excited that this has happened and this brought a lot of traction to the project. I can well imagine. It's a really interesting sample of use cases. The financial and medical industries are normally set in their ways when it comes to technology, and I could well imagine that they wouldn't have upgraded their networks for decades. So it must be encouraging and possibly daunting that they've embraced Scion and obviously speaks volumes for its security focus. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the reason why some of those industries are normally very slow to move to new technologies, especially when it comes to internet-based things, is really because of those intrinsic deficiencies of the internet. And as Scion uh, really tries to address them fundamentally with a very strong cryptography, I think that's what may actually managed to convince them to switch over to Scion. An interesting fact about this uh, finance network, for example, is that uh, the banking system built their own uh, Scion PKI infrastructure. So they have all the bells and whistles, they have their own HSMs, and they have production grade, uh, very strong uh, uh, PKI uh, for Scion, which uh, is very impressive for us because PKI is a very major aspect of Scion. And that really, I think, helped to build trust because in the end, all the most fundamental operations, you know, there's always very solid cryptography with many years of research and even formal verification behind it. So that really helped building this confidence that actually this network could actually work in production. That trust you mentioned is so important for those industries, so it's credit to everyone who's helped develop the product. Given that we focus on research and measurement in this podcast, I actually want to dive a little deeper into the Scion Lab. What are some of the research projects happening in this area, and what can people measure using Scion as well? So as I mentioned, Scion Lab is a global testing and research network based on Scion. It is run by uh, us at ETH Zurich, jointly with many other academic institutions around the world, uh, which is also what gives us this uh, global coverage. Uh, we have nodes uh, spread across all continents. And I think the most important thing about Scion Lab is that it is really this uh, global planet scale lab that allows to make experiments with multipath networking. And multipath networking has been for a very long time not a very hot topic. And these days that there is multipass TCP, multipass quick and so on, there is actually a lot more interest than before. And so we use Scion Lab for master thesis, for research projects. Pretty much all the research or most of the research about Scion was in some way tested in a real setting scenario on, on the Scion Lab backbone. So I remember a couple of months ago, we had a student who developed a video calling app for Apple devices, and that was based on Scion Lab. So you could really demonstrate how failover works in maintaining this video call quality without having pretty much almost any perceivable loss. 
And the cool thing was that this application was really Sion-aware, so it could really leverage all these multiple paths. But besides that, yeah, there's pretty much all the research on Sion has been uh, somehow tested in some way on Sion Lab. So I think we could talk about many, many projects. That is an interesting application, which would attract a lot of users to Sion Lab, given the work going into multipath TCP, I imagine. Can you explain the need for applications to be aware of multipathing? So most times an application is not aware about multipathing, it just sends data. And if you give applications the ability to know that there's multiple paths, actually there's new things that you can actually do with this application. For example, one use case is one about anonymity in browsers where you can split your data across multiple paths so that no one on path actually has a full picture of what you're talking to, who you're talking to. There is also a lot of work to be done to build Scion into end hosts, let's say operating systems, devices, so that they can figure out if they are connected to a Scion network. There is a whole topic when it comes to multipath and transport layer protocols. And I mentioned earlier multipath TCP and multipath quick. And uh, the idea here is that once you have a multipath network, then it is really interesting to, uh, let's say, expose those paths to the transport layer in a way that the transport layer then can make the decision about where to route traffic and how to choose paths. So there has been a lot of discussions about that, I think, even in the ITF. And let's say that multipath TCP raised the importance of this topic. And so what we are trying to do is to try to add not only two paths, as you do in multipath TCP, but many paths. As with Scion, you can possibly get even 50 paths to a given destination. That is impressive. In some ways, it's rethinking the architecture of how we do routing. In some way, yes. And I think it's going to get really exciting once applications or at least the transport layer actually becomes aware of these uh, new possibilities, which is happening already a little bit with uh, what I mentioned. To return to the second part of my original question, how does what you see in Measure and Scion Lab relate to what you see in the wild? So when you connect to Scion Lab, you can actually connect your own Scion AS and have your own Scion enable host. And when it comes to measurements, I think a very interesting thing is that you can actually really probe those paths. As a Scion Lab user, you can connect to anyone else that is uh, anywhere on the Scion Lab network globally. So that allows you to really probe different paths. And so what we have seen is that very often Scion Lab paths can be better than what happens on the regular internet. And so, for example, you can configure Scion hosts to, let's say, optimize for latency. And very often you actually get a better performance on Scion Lab than you get by going through the regular internet and going through a bunch of transit autonomous systems and so on. That is nifty. Another nifty measurement feature, which is a nod to the green revolution, is being able to measure the carbon footprint of your paths. Can you explain how this works? Sure. So this is a very research area within Scion. And the idea here is that Scion headers can actually carry authenticated information. And so we thought, what if we could somehow reflect the carbon footprint of each path into Scion headers? And as Scion headers have the full path, that means that as a end host, if all the autonomous systems can give you some information about their carbon footprint, then as a end host, you can actually select your path, not only based on performance metrics like latency and jitter and so on, but you could in principle even take into account carbon footprint. And that could potentially, let's say, encourage ISPs to somehow compete. Of course, there's lots of questions at the moment. So how do we measure this footprint? 
How do we make sure that this information is actually reliably and securely inscribed into packets that all uh, open research questions that some of our PhD students are trying to tackle? But I think it is very important to also look at the carbon footprint of internet infrastructure. And we believe that science path awareness and science cryptography can actually help in somehow securely disseminating this information. So that's a very new, exciting and uh, somehow exotic branch of research around science. Definitely. I mean, you already see some ISPs are claiming to be carbon neutral, but to be able to measure and validate that would add more gravitas, you can imagine. So we'll continue to watch this space with interest. Before wrapping up, I wanted to learn how you're working with the ITF to standardize what you're doing with Scion. This is something that today is becoming very important. Uh, we already have three different implementations of Scion. And so, of course, we want to keep those uh, as interoperable as possible. And that's why standardization has become really a hot topic in the science community. So I've actually just came back from the ITF 113 in Vienna, and we are just getting started right now with uh, bringing our work to the ITF community. But I was very pleasantly surprised of the interest and the support that I felt in the community. So I'm feeling like there's going to be uh, lots of interesting discussions there. And what I feel is that the ITF community these days is working on a lot of problems that actually Scion is tackling. And of course, Scion has its own way to tackle those problems because we take a quite radical approach, right? We, some things are redesigned of how things work today. So that's sometimes a little more difficult to push through. But the interesting thing is that really those problems that we are solving, they are relevant and people feel that routing security, that internet reliability that being able to route traffic according to application needs are actually real problems. And so we are really happy that we have one of the solutions and we hope that this will be uh, accepted by the community so that we'll get to have drafts and RFCs and so on soon. So if you're at the ITF, uh, well, I will be around. So come and uh, meet me and the rest of the Scion team. We're going to be around for a while. Yes, I'm sure your name will be well known very soon. And you'll have a queue of people at the coffee tables during the breaks, not only to discuss what a clean slate to networking can offer them, but how it can be interoperable too with the current internet. Indeed. And I feel that a lot of the work at the ITF will really be about finding a compromise between, let's say, fixing the existing and adding something new that can maybe better help to tackle some problems. But that, that, there's going to be so many interesting discussions about this. We look forward to following those on this podcast, as well as the APNIC blog and within the ITF as well. And hopefully we can have you back on the show in the future to give us some updates on how Scion is rethinking the internet and share more use cases, to which we're happy to hear from those out there who are using Scion now and would like to share their experience too. Nicola, thank you very much for joining us on Ping. Robbie, it has been a pleasure. Thanks a lot for having us. And thanks to everyone who's made it this far. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If so, please subscribe, write a review and tell your colleagues about it. If you'd like to learn more about Scion, check out the links in the show description. Finally, if you've got a story or research to share, get in contact via email, ping at apenic.net or our APNIC social media channels. And be sure to check out the APNIC website for all your resource and community needs. Until next time.